This is a story about your humble narrator, a Yankee boy, and his first day of school in the South. And here's the story. Like I said, and have detailed in previous stories and many more tales to come, lots of stuff went down in my childhood that necessitated a, um, let's say, gypsy type of lifestyle, a um, nomadic existence, if you will. And when I was about 10 years old, it so happened that I had to come to be living with my grandmother, which was a sh culture shock in a lot of ways. My grandmother, don't get me wrong, she's one of my, she is not one of, she's my favorite person in the world. Um, the woman is my savior and a saint to me. But to go from living in downtown Seabright, New Jersey, which is the opposite of affluent, to going to live with her in all these kind of ritzy areas, took a, took a shifting of um, perception and of the mind and of behavior patterns and thought patterns that wasn't easy for a youngster. The Christmas that I was 10 years old was when I was told I was going to be living with my grandmother. I was going to be leaving immediately right from Christmas Day. And my grandmother picked me up from my aunt's house where I had been living for the past couple of years. Didn't know that I was moving that day and was just being brought from Shrewsbury, New Jersey to Cape May, New Jersey, which is like over 100 miles away. It's very far. I didn't really, I was kind of shocked, but I didn't really stress this too much just because I loved my grandmother so fucking much. And I was pretty much like stoked to be go like living with her, you know, so and my grandfather. So whatever, whatever, we packed up and for the time being, we were staying. Yes. Yeah, so we went to Cape May. And the deal was it was winter, so it was like, I guess we were, they were just there for, because winter and holiday or whatever. But the gist of it is, in the winter, they stayed on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. And we were going to be going there, and I was going to be like, after Christmas break, I was going to be starting school there. And um, that was kind of weird, because it was like, the only thing I knew about the South was like, reading books about like, the Ku Klux Klan and fucking racism and just nothing good happened in the South as far as I'm fucking concerned. Yeah, at 10 years old. So, you know, I'm gassing myself up. I'm, I'm reading all these books about the Civil War and it was, it was, I don't know, man. I guess I was just, like I said, I was gassing myself up, man. And I, I got myself pretty fucking worked up. I remember asking my grandmother at one point, because I'm 10, man. I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I was like, Grandma, you know, Something about, I, I think I asked her, is the Ku Klux Klan still like running rampant down there? She's like trying to, you know, she's she's white. She's a white Irish lady. She's trying to like allay my fears and shit. And she told me a tale, which I don't know is now, it might be apocryphal. I don't know what's going on with this, but she, I remember she told me this tale to comfort me that when her and my grandfather first got married, they were Catholics and they moved into a Protestant like neighborhood or something. And this would have been in Brooklyn or North Jersey, some weird ethnic fucking Irish area. And she claims that there was a vacant lot on the side of the house and the Klan showed up burning a cross like the night she was there. And I believed every word of it. But now as an adult, I'm like, I think she may have been bullshitting me a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, but the idea was she explained that they also hate like Jewish people and Catholics. So don't worry, like they're not just looking for you, I guess is like the moral of that story, right? So um, 
whatever, whatever, the time came that we had to move to South Carolina. Christmas break is over. We're driving down. And I remember we stopped at a gas station at some fuck-all place off 95, and I had to use the bathroom. And um, even written on the wall in the bathroom was like the N-word. It was like, you know, nigger or something. You know, I'm like 10, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's true. They're fucking out here. I'm so scared. And I remember running out of the bathroom and tripping over the the um, – the island, you know, where the gas pumps are in the middle of the thing, and just going straight down, chipping my tooth. I still have the chip in my tooth from, like, running from the um, Ku Klux Klan graffiti in this fuck-all bathroom wherever I was in the South. Um, whatever, man. Rebel flags everywhere. To this day, when I see the rebel flag, I'm just like, fuck you with that flag, man. And, you know, I've gotten into a people that are, you don't understand the heritage, bro, and uh, it's not about, it's like, listen, I know my story and my narrative, fuck you in that flag, you understand? But anyway, back to the story, so I got the chip tooth, whatever. We do arrive in uh, Hilton Head, and it's a funny, it's a funny thing that happened to me there, because here, I live with my grandparents in a plantation called Sea Pines. It's a very affluent area. It's a golfing retirement community for you, you know, if you have your yacht and all this. But the school, because I'm going to Hilton Head Elementary School, is I've never experienced a school like this. I'm from the Northeast. School buildings are made out of bricks and shit. They look like institutions, man. It looks like something that's solid that's supposed to be there. There's air conditioning. You go in the school, you smell disinfectant. It just feels cool and refreshing. Um, but in the South, it wasn't like this. The school, the school, if you will, there was one tiny central building. And then the classrooms were trailers, a series of different trailers. And you'd be in the one trailer for like math and science. Then you'd have to walk to the other one. This is how they dealt with like, I guess, keeping everything air conditioned and shit. But it was pretty fucking hood. So it was like, it was weird for me to be going from like this ritzy place to this other place on the island that I almost didn't even realize existed, okay? And then like intermingling with rich kids, poor kids. And then the racial thing was just fucking weird. You know, I'm, I'm what would be called a mulatto. Uh, I've been called a lot worse. I've been called everything from Oreo to half breed. I'm half Irish. I've been called a leprechaun. I've been called the weirdest shit you could ever imagine, yeah? But when I got to South Carolina, dude, this racial thing, the separation and the weird society thing we had, whole other fucking level, B. Other level. It's like, I can't even... It's the very first day of school. Now, I can't tell you... I can't tell you as a person of mixed background how many fights I got into, how many people I had to slap the living shit out of. Cause I was a chunky kid, kind of like I am now. <laughs> you know, I had to, I had my skinny phase in the in my 20s, but you know, I used to have to slap the shit out of somebody every day, man. And not being a violent person, but just like being thrown into this cauldron of like, listen, the black kids wanted to kick my fucking ass, the white kids wanted to kick my fucking ass, and everybody was fucking with me. The only buddy, the only people that was liking me was the girls. The girls liked the. Um, the swirl you dig so um whew, it was tough i remember there was these two black kids man and i, I want to tell you an honest truth let me just sidetrack just for a minute 
I remember their names, Lester and Lamont, and I was scared to death of these fucking kids because they were kind of bullies and they were kind of the tough guys of the class. And they pegged me out like I had to get my ass kicked. And they were warning me that it was coming and it was gonna, they were going to get me. And I realized it was going to be a gang up situation. It was going to be two on one. And I was scared of both of them individually to tell you the honest truth. I didn't know if I could whoop them. So I formulated a plan, and the plan was I knew I had to strike quick and strike first. And what I did was one day we were being let out in line to the um, playground for like the half hour recess. Hot as fucking hell day in the South, South Carolina. And Lester and Lamont are in front of me in the line. So it's like the one guy is there and the one guy is there, yeah? And they're telling me, you know, once we get out to the playground, yo, it's on. We're going to fuck you up, this and that. And I said, you know what? It ain't even, we ain't even gonna make it to the motherfucking playground. And I grabbed, whichever one of them was in front of me, I just grabbed him from behind, kind of almost in like a chokehold kind of situation, and just brought his ass straight to the ground. Bam! And I remember having him by the hair, smashing his face into the fucking sand, telling him, telling him you're gonna do what to me? You know, tell me what you're gonna motherfucking do to me. And the other guy, when he saw this violent assault that I launched on his comrade, didn't want shit to do with this crazy brown kid from New Jersey. Nothing. And I'm just chilling this kid's face into the sand. I remember I got up. I didn't get in any trouble. Nothing like that. But from that time on, Lester and Lamont were my best buddies. They were my best buddies and my champions all through fifth grade. But back to the story. It's the end of the day. I just had the weirdest school day in my life because I went from Catholic school to boarding school to New Jersey public school to this weird fucking South Carolina school shit. And I'm just like, the whole experience of the day has, is exhausting for my 10-year-old mind. But because I live in Sea Pines, which is like the ritzy area, and I'm in this weird like public school, the bus ride's like 35 fucking minutes, man, to the other side of the island. So I get on there and I sit down. Now you remember the school buses, the way they're broken up, it's three-seater, aisle, two-seater. So I sat down next to this quiet, you know, Arab-looking kid in the two-seater. It's me and him crammed. And then across the aisle from me is just two kids. And the kid that's right next to me, he's on the outside of the seat, is wearing a red members-only jacket. And I get the idea because I hear people clowning saying, well, his name is Lance. Well, I don't know what the fuck was on Lance's mind that day, but from the minute the bus pulled out, this dude unleashed his tirade on me um, based on my mixed background, half-breed, whatever you want to say, and just mulatto power, but, and just went, went for it, man. And from the minute the bus pulled off, this guy was fucking on me. I don't really... I remember a few of the things he said, and I'm going to tell you what they are. A lot of weird shit, but the bus ride was so long that it's 35 minutes of this. So there's a lot that he said. I did remember a few of the things like, um, I just can't remember. It was just, it was such a weird experience. And I'm sitting there. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, the trapper keepers. I had my trapper keeper on my lap and I'm just kind of like, I'm looking down and like, I think when the bus first pulled off, the first couple jokes this dude told, kids were laughing, but it got so intense that by the halfway point of this bus ride, none of the kids on the bus were laughing. The bus was dead silent, 
and only this guy saying shit with his weird southern accent, you know, this southern accent shit when they be saying like weird racist shit, just like it fucking, it irks me, man. It irks me. So I'm just sitting there and I'm next to this other ethnic looking kid and I'm looking down kind of in shame. And I really, it's my first day at school there and I, I just, I don't, I just, I'm new. I don't even know what to fucking do. And to be honest, I can't believe this is even happening to me. So I'm just sitting there and then I look up. Now, if you remember like school buses, the driver has that long ass mirror in front of them and it's tilted so they can look up and see the kids and what the kids are doing. And you know when the driver is looking at you because you can see their face in that thing looking at you. Well, here's what happened. I'm like, why isn't the bus driver like pulling the bus over and slapping the hell out of this kid right now? Like, what's going on? I look up, the bus driver's black. And you got to understand that at this time, and it's probably still like this now in the South, this woman was disempowered, she disenfranchised. She couldn't do nothing to this rich white kid. What the hell was she going to do? She'll lose her fucking job. And I remember looking and looking, and she was looking at me, and her eyes were like, her eyes were, I'm never going to forget her eyes, man. They were so sympathetic. It was so sad. Like, she, they said, I know how you feel right now, but I'm, I can't do anything for you. You're like, you're on your fucking own, B. Like, so this guy keeps going. I remember when he's telling me to whip my dick out at some point. And this is when I'm 10 and I didn't think much of it. But now as an adult, I'm like, what, what, what's going on in this dude's household where he's hearing jokes about black people's dicks and shit? Like to the point where he's telling me to whip my dick out on the bus and shit. Now he's telling these jokes to me across the aisle and then no one's laughing but he'll turn to the guy next to him, the guy that's stuck in the seat next to him, and he's elbowing him and uh, laughing, you know, ain't that funny kind of thing, but nobody else is laughing, and this kid's only laughing because he's probably scared. This guy, this kid's the bully, you know? Message me, get at me. Hey, you can tell me your own stories. I'm sure something like this is maybe probably happening to you as well. Um, you know, it's just like it is if you're a woman, gay, black, Asian, uh, brown, whatever you you're getting fucked with you could be the white dude who's little heavy it's just like kids they're fucking relentless right i'm sitting there i don't know what to do and when when the woman looked at me and looked away i realized i was abandoned i was completely on my own and even the adults in this crazy world of down south were fucking nuts and i'm kind of fucked because i'm from new jersey and you know, racism is up here in the north too, but it's kind of different. You know where you stand, and it's okay to just slap the shit out of somebody. You feel me? So, but now I'm in an environment, I don't know who this kid is, and like all the other kids are afraid of him. Everybody's being quiet. And I remember one of the last things he said to me, and this is if you can help me with whatever this kid was, I don't, to this day, I don't understand this punchline. Please, somebody message me and explain this to me if you understand it. But he's telling this series of jokes about, you know, it's a series of jokes dealing with, I know this guy's half black because, and then he'll, he'll throw in this thing. And the last one was, 
I know you're I know you're half black because your mama hard boiled you. And he's telling me with this this southern accent that makes me just want to palm his fucking face. I know you're half black because your mama hard boiled you. And he starts he's cracking up and elbowing the fucking guy. Now here's the deal. We're reaching the end of the bus ride. We're in Sea Pines Plantation now. There's, you know, maybe 15 to 20 kids left on this bus out of 50. And we're also approaching my neighborhood, and I'm realizing this kid lives kind of in my neighborhood a few streets away. But by this point, I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. I'm done with the South. I'm done with this fucking school. I'm done with the bus driver, and I'm done with this fucking kid. So I says to the kid next to me, I hand him my trapper keeper. It was a red one. I said, hey, man, excuse me, could you hold this? And I just bunched myself up like this. And the guy turned, he was across the aisle, and he turned to me, he was going to say another fucking thing, and I just said, Bip! Wham! I never, my good friends, there's very few people in my life I've hit as hard as I hit this fucking kid Lance on my first day of school in Hilton Island that day, man. And when I, I didn't even, I was in such a rage, I just bipped him, and I didn't even really look. But when I turned to look, this kid's nose was was flat on his face and blood was just shooting out like fucking Niagara Falls. And the kid says, I don't know who he was talking about. Like, look, look at my face, at my, my nose. He, he was destroyed, destroyed. And after I hit him and saw how fucked up he was, I got a little scared. So I looked to the front again to the um to the bus driver and she did the same thing. She she made eye contact with me and then she just looked forward, telling me, I can't, I'm not involved with this, man. And boom, this kid was destroyed. His stop was like the next street or whatever. And he's getting off the bus. The kids are helping him off the bus. And I remember he yelled at me, I'm going to kill you, you effing N. You know, he called me the N-bomb. Me and my daddy are coming. We're going to be on the bus tomorrow with our rifles. Our rifles. I remember how he said it. And I was like... At this point, the kids are basically looking at me with these beaming faces of, like, hero worship. And I realized I had, like, silenced some bully asshole that had been terrorizing everyone. And then my street, Bateau Road, was the next street, and I got off. So I walk home. I walk in. My grandmother's waiting for me. She says, so how was the first day of school? I said, Grandma, you're not going to believe it. That school is horrible. I detailed her about the classrooms and the weird air conditioning and all this shit. And then I said on the way home, I had to slap the shit out of some kid. She said, well, what happened? I detailed her the whole story I just told you and told her how I destroyed this fucking kid's face and, and, <laughs> and achieved victory. And she said, oh, this, can I make you an egg and cheese sandwich? You know, she had a little bit of a Brooklyn accent, and, you know, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was something instead of, fuck these motherfuckers. And I love my grandmother to this day. I miss her so much, man. And that's the story, man. Yankee boy, my first day in school in, uh, in the South, and uh, I had to regulate. Thanks for listening to my story. It's your boy, Dubby. I love you guys. I'll be back with some more stories soon. You get at me.